You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to the latest episode of the Lynx Magazine Golf Podcast. We have an exciting one teed up today. My name is Graylin Loomis, and I'm joined by co-host Ian Kreitzer. Ian? Always good to be here. Awesome. Well, today we're talking with um, a mentor and someone who has um, really left a, a huge mark on the golf media industry. We're joined by our editor here at Lynx Magazine, George Pepper. George, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. Well, Ian, what are we talking about today? So uh, George has reached a recent milestone in, as far as uh, golf courses, and George plays a lot of golf, as, as we all know, and anyone's familiar with George uh, knows. Um, but reaching course 750 unique golf courses. So we're going to talk about everything in between um, and what it took to get to that milestone in the terms of, uh, of this column um, in the fall issue. So uh basically uh it'll be um we broke it down by uh genre um and you chose kind of your 50 favorites so we're gonna be it's gonna be a general uh talk about kind of golf courses and your favorites our favorites and uh, hopefully we'll inspire some good discussion important to note that this is george's column in our fall 2018 issue he'll be talking about uh, playing or having played uh burnham and barrow which was your 750th course. But George, tell us how you got started in all of this. Why did you keep track of how many courses you played? When did you start? And how, you know, give us your thinking here. Well, it's funny, I guess as a kid, um, like a lot of, I collected scorecards of my best rounds and I didn't have too many, maybe a dozen. And then in 1976, I got uh, hired by uh, Golf Magazine. Suddenly I, I Start, started going to these grid golf destinations, and I thought, well, maybe I'll keep track of these courses. And I, I don't think I had more than a dozen or so at that point, and I wrote them down all on a piece of paper, the years I'd played them, the people I'd played with. And then when things went digital, I put them on an Excel file, and I started really keeping pretty good track. And it just grew and grew. And it's, it's a really, it's a fun exercise, something I would recommend to anybody, no matter what your course count is. Uh, because number one, it's, it's good mental exercise to, to, to try to think back on your life and come up with all the courses you've played. And it really prompts some, some nice memories, looking back on uh, things that you other, otherwise might lose. Uh, another nice aspect is even now, how many years later, 40 some years later, I will remember a course now and then. Oh, yeah, Little Shady Acres in New Jersey. I played that back in 1983. And I'll rush home and put it in my Excel file. And uh, you, you get an additional course without having to pay a green fee. And so that's kind of nice. And uh, you can also manipulate the data and look at the number of courses you've played in, in each year. And uh, interestingly, my, my kind of path and courses played each year has kind of a little mountain in it in the graph, and it it's uh, sort of the same uh, 
graph you see in, in, in the courses built during the 80s and 90s. There was a huge course construction period then. Right. That's when I was playing 18, 20, 30, sometimes 30 golf courses a year. And that all slacked off, as did my uh, course consumption over the last <laughs> few years. So it's been it's been fun. What data points do you keep on the spreadsheet? Obviously the course, and it sounds like the year that, that you played it, but what else? Uh, well, of course, the state and the country, uh, the architect, and then I have kind of a notes column where I put the people I've played with, any significant happenings. Uh, in the course of the course. <laughs> right. So you, so you can organize, you can kind of manipulate that data as far as Excel, organize it by architect played, you know, year, you know, whatever. So right. I'm sure that's really helpful with uh, with the growing list of a lot of golf courses. Yeah. Um, so in that list, you have one that sticks out, uh, one course. And I think it's one that's special to, to you and, and special to Graylin as well. I have not played it yet. And what would that course be? The old course at St. Andrews. Yeah. Whenever I'm asked my favorite golf course, <laughs> well, it was the first one. And then I never <laughs> got it any better after that. I could probably spend this whole podcast talking about it. But uh, there, there are a bunch of reasons. Um, as you guys know, I lived there for a period of time. We owned a home in St. Andrews from 1983 to 2013. And my wife and I were there full time from, I think it was 2004 to 2010. So in the course of that tenure, I think I played the old course certainly over 250 times. And we all developed a soft spot for our home course. Now, I was very lucky to have the old course as my home course. Um, number two, it's, it's, as everyone says, it's unassuming, but the more you play it, the more you appreciate it. And I, for a course that was designed hundreds of years before anyone invented playing strategies, there's a hell of a lot of strategy on the old course. I, I always remember the line uh, Henry Longhurst used uh, in reference to the old. He said, on almost every shot, you have to step back and ask yourself, what exactly do I want to do here? <laughs> and uh, I think that's beautiful. Uh, third reason, from the regular tees, it has to be the easiest major championship golf course in the world, certainly on a, on a calm day. Right. Uh, so many people who play it for the first time on an easy day are so happy they come back shooting, sometimes the score of their lives. Beyond that, it fits my game. Um, somehow, just serendipitously, it fits my game. I, even in my uh, pre-dotage, I can still get the ball out there, not as long as you guys, but not 300 yards, but I can, if I hit it squarely, get it over 250 yards. And as it happens, that is just long enough to get, Graylin, you would know this, just over the ridge on the left side of four, just over the yeah. ridge at number seven. When it's downwind on nine, I can drive that. When it's downwind on 10 or 12, I can drive those. When it's downwind, I can still get home on the par fives and two. Mm -hmm. And that is such a joy at my advanced age. So, um, you know, the old course still, if I had one round left to play Despite the 250 I'd play, I'd do another one. <laughs> that would be it. Yeah. And it just makes me want to get want to get there sooner than uh, sooner than later. Uh, you know, next year hopefully. But uh, we'll see. Um, special place. Uh, so besides that, you kind of picked uh, your 50 favorites, um, and and like you said in the in the piece, they're not the prettiest, not the hardest, just the ones that that you would you would you know your favorites. Um, and you broke them down by category. So the categories that, that you kind of broke them down by were the seaside charmers, great walks in the park, great courses to grow old on, and worth the trip. 
Um, these are all kind of self-explanatory, but um, you had some really, really good, really good courses in there and ones that kind of will be the envy of a lot of avid golf travelers and a lot of our listeners. So, um, so Seaside Charmers, the old course fits that, uh, fits that reference to to an extent, but there's some other good ones um, in here as well. Um, Cypress Point being one uh, that is, you know, on, on the bucket list for most golfers. So, um, National Golf Links, uh, Newport, Old McDonald, Pacific Dunes, Pebble Beach, just a lot of the, a lot of the great ones. So, um, tell us about what makes a seaside course so endearing to, to golfers who might not have experienced. Yeah, I'm of sort of biased in this way. I mean, golf began by the sea and it's a pity in my, my mind that it isn't still there right. and just there. Um, <laughs> There's something, as I've often said, I'd rather play a mediocre golf course beside the sea than a spectacular one inland. And there's something, I think, uh, elemental and spiritual about walking with, with your golf clubs on your back uh, beside the ocean. I mean, it, all the senses are there. You can feel the wind on your cheek. You can smell, sometimes even taste the salt air. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's so so basic. You can you know hear the roar of the waves. Um, in a sense, in my mind, uh, these, I think I had 18 courses, uh, <clears throat> have an unfair advantage over <laughs> the other 732 on my list. And, and I, I can't, I've never been able to construct the top 10 of my favorite courses, but if I had, I'm pretty sure that all 10 of them would come from this list. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I don't blame you. Um, I always haven't played as much seaside golf as, as you have, but uh, the, the few I have played, been lucky to play. I I can totally see where you're where you're coming from on that. It's just a it's a special yeah. feeling, and you know, and the I think another factor of that is you get a lot of wind too, and that's kind of wind. A lot a lot of links golf courses on that list, and exactly, and sometimes unavoidably when you're beside the sea, there are not going to be too many houses. That's and true, and so that's all part of the charm. Uh, all part of the charm. Um, now going the complete opposite way, walks in the park. So parkland courses <laughs> and um, just kind of a nice walk that if you had to be away from the sea then that would be where you would go. Um, so tell us about that. Yeah, well, I would think in terms of the sheer um, integrity of the design, shall we call it, things like uh, routing and pace and the balance of the holes, uh, probably these uh, 14 courses are superior, superior to many, if most of the seaside courses. Mm -hmm. As I said in the column, they make me uh, want to rescind my pronouncement about <laughs> rather play a mediocre course by the sea than a spectacular one inland. Right. I mean, in addition to that, though, and in addition to being great golf courses, they're just, they are great walks in the park, whether it's Augusta National or Pine Valley or Glen Eagles or Sleepy Hollow or any of them. They're all set on incredible land, many of them with incredible views. And it's land that's um, ideally suited to the construction of compelling, interesting, sometimes amusing right. uh, golf holes, in addition to being uh, just a nice place to take a walk. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of uh, that's kind of what I was thinking as well. Even if you didn't have your golf clubs on your back, or it would just be a nice place to go and spend an afternoon or, or a morning, you know, yeah. sweeping dew at these at these places good places to play badly <laughs> another way to put it yeah, yeah I, I like I, absolutely um but then the, these kind of cover uh yeah you have a course in france um you know pine valley st louis country club kind of covering the whole um the, the whole spectrum of of great parkland courses um, and all the way yeah. down to public courses um, true glen eagles um you know we have caledonia golf and fish club places that aren't necessarily 
just exclusive enclaves um, in places that span the whole spectrum and the world. Yeah, interestingly, they are for the most part oldish courses. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, uh, maybe that's because uh, they just let the land be. Yeah. Exactly. And, and the one that sticks out to me as far as the public and being a newer course is Caledonia, obviously a Mike Strance course. Right. Open to open to all. And, and Mike Strance was kind of a kind of a um, uh, different architect as far as the age that he where right. he designed. Very he visual designed. designer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. An artist, a landscape artist, architect more than a golf right. course designer. Exactly. Absolutely. Um but yeah, so no, uh, some really, really great courses on that list. Um, and that kind of transitions to courses to grow old on. Yeah, so, that's kind of a category I got from my uh, good friend, David Fave, the former director of the USGA, mm-hmm. who is uh, similarly approaching codgerdom. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, uh, he used it in reference uh, to the old course, right? Um, which is on this list rather than on the seaside list. Um, and I think... Probably the old course might be the best example in that it is flat. Um, there's uh, it's relatively short, and this is very key. The, the distances from green to tee are short. Mm. Going back to the old, old rule that you tee your ball within two two club lengths, right. <laughs> where you hold out your last putt. Uh, that has uh, been lost a, l- a little oh, bit. It sure has. <laughs> One of my biggest annoyances in golf is having to walk anywhere where I'm not pursuing my ball. And uh, that's happened a lot over the, the recent reasoning, uh, lengthening of golf courses because right. of technology. You'll come to a green, and then you'll, instead of walking to your left, where the next hole is, you'll take a right and walk back between 50 and 100 yards to the tee. Yeah. That really, really annoys me, and no course that has even one hole like that is going to be on this list. In fact, this is a, a very small list. What do I have? Eight courses on there? Seven. And mm-hmm. seven. And I went through and, and the list of uh, 50, and I just couldn't find too many that were friendly to, uh, you know, older people. Now, as I say, I think this, it's a function of the fact that, that courses have become longer. Most of the courses on this list, I, I think the average age of the seven courses there is over 100 years, even without the yeah. old course. The good news is there's a kind of a mini um, movement in architecture now uh, led by David Kidd and a couple of others, notably Tiger at uh, Blue Jack National, toward more welcoming courses. Right. Uh, easier, wider, uh, slightly easier walks as well. And I think that's a good thing, not only for uh, us old guys, but as I say, for inveigling uh, new converts into the game. So, so let's hope that uh, down the road we'll see uh, more more courses to start young on and grow old on. And absolutely, and I think that's a that brings in pace of play and stuff too, because sure. I mean, it's if you're taking a couple minutes to walk from the you know the one green to the next tee. Then it's just going to make the round, you know, over 18 times doing that is going to make it exponentially longer. Or um, worse, you're looking for a bunch of balls throughout the round because it's so tight and so tough. And right. it's, exactly. it, it's interesting with both of those examples, David Kidd and Tiger Woods, both of those guys have kind of come around to this easier way of golf almost by starting in the harder designs. I mean, Tiger, right. through experiencing the harder designs by playing them, but you look at David Kidd's earlier designs, he started with Bandon, let's say. He started easy and then lost the three. He lost his way, kind <laughs> of, and then realized through that process, hold on, golf is enjoyable not because it's 
you know, a thrashing over 18 holes. It's enjoyable because it's a walk in the park, a place where young people and older players can both enjoy around. Uh, but it's it's very interesting thinking about the past those two in particular yeah. have taken to get to where they well, are Well, kid, today. yeah, he actually asked himself, what did I do right in my 20, 20s <laughs> that I didn't do in my 30s that I can do again in my 40s? <laughs> how many people look back to their 20s mm -hmm. and their 40s? Like, how can I go back yeah, to that? How can I replicate what I was doing? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, good yeah, both of us being in our 20s, it'll, yeah. it'll be interesting to look back in a few years. But... Um, but and then I mean, the the best example of that now is Mammoth Dunes, his new. Right. His, I mean, the widest fairways that I, I've seen pictures. I haven't been, but the widest fairways I've ever seen, yeah. almost. And people that I've talked to that have played it have said, you know, that's you're not going to lose a ball, but it's interesting. And and I think that's that's kind of where these courses on, on this part of the list uh, uh, kind of file into. Yeah. Yeah. That and Gamble Sands is his other one. Right. Yeah. Like Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Correct. Um, so the next uh, next category is worth the trip, and these are just you know places that are kind of far off. You got Japan, New Zealand, um, all that sort of stuff. So they kind of all over the world, but worth making the trip to if you have the means and the access. Yeah, in a sense, this was George bragging about the great places he's been. So uh, fair enough, little blame. <laughs> but they, I have to say, uh, looking at this list, each of them. Uh, brings back a kind of a, an interesting memory. Like Hirono has this terrific museum with Eisenhower's golf clubs in it. It's like the Augusta National of, of Japan. Right. Barnbogle uh, Dunes, I played in the company of kangaroos. It was just amazing. <laughs> I mean, wallabies walking right up next to you, down the fairway like spectators. <laughs> Durban may be the toughest start I've ever had. It's just a, a narrow gauntlet of holes to begin with. Uh, Kapalua in Hawaii. I mm -hmm. mean, my view, the best mountain golf course in the world. And, and talk about big, wide fairways oh, yeah. and fun to play. Um, Kingston Heath. I know everybody loves Royal Melbourne. I think Kingston Heath is better and may have the best set of greens I've ever played in my life. We So we, we were out, Graylin and I were out playing uh, earlier this week, and we were talking about Australia. And I, was, I asked him, because he, he took a trip there, um, taking a trip there two years ago. Um, and I asked him what was, you know, if you had to play one course in Australia over again, his answer was the same for the same reason. I said, really, over Royal Melbourne? And he said, he said, yep, uh, Kingston Heath just does it for me. Yeah. And I think the I, same. I, I don't know if I would necessarily uh, try and argue that Kingston Heath is a better course than Royal Melbourne or, um, uh, you know, just on a true architectural basis, but Kingston Heath just clicked with me. I mean, it, when you take in that walk in the park factor, mm. that enjoyable walk factor, Kingston Heath checked all the boxes. Yeah. And every, well, everyone in Australia was friendly, um, but everyone at Kingston Heath was particularly nice. And yeah. it just added up to a special. Day. Yeah, they were. It is a real welcoming club. It's not mm. stuffy. And, uh, but the greens are what I remember. Mm -hmm. I've never. Three putted as happily as I did at uh, <laughs> Kingston. <laughs> go through the rest of it. Nine Bridges may be the best course money can buy. It's just spectacular mountain setting. Right. Rich Korean guy just put everything into it. And then you've got this course called Nordvik in the Netherlands. People like the neighboring Kenemer and Hague courses better. I like Nordvik. It has this sort of fairy tale forest in the middle of the links. 
and you walk suddenly, you know, you're in this barren windblown lakes and suddenly you're walking with deer in the forest and then you come out of it and you're back <laughs> in the barren. It's just a cool course. And wow. Then, yeah. Uh, Royal Calcutta, I've played in 1978. It's the second oldest golf country in the world. That was the 150th anniversary of golf in India. Wow. And I played it in 1978. <laughs> and uh, the, the, you play there, the uh, caddies, they have caddies and four caddies and the four caddies put a little red cloth over every golf ball after it comes to rest to keep the crows, they have really dumb crows, oh, wow. they come in and take the balls and run away with it. So that's, and, and then Southern Downs on there, it's just this amazing limestone-based cliff that you, you play in the company of sheep, beautiful. And um, in Spring City uh, in China, uh, it's called Spring City because it's spring-like conditions all year round, and just wow. you play on a mountain next to a lake. and And the last one is uh, Titirangi in New Zealand, where I had the pleasure of playing the Shell New Zealand Open. This had to be forty years ago, and my <laughs> partner was Peter Thompson. So oh, that wow. was re- wow. I can I can it, still remember old... watching him hit a two iron and just the sound and there's nothing like it. That's an that's old McKenzie course. Yes, it is. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Yep. So wow. good memories. Nice. Oh yeah, George. Yeah. Hearing about all these places you've been, and I, I ask uh, this question kind of knowing uh, some of your stories, tell us about your best golf day in terms of uh, playing multiple courses in a day or <laughs> spanning large distances uh, okay. in a day. <laughs> well, there was one crazy day back in, I believe it was either 1982 or 83, where with uh, Bobby Clampett. And Hughes Norton, who was his agent, and Brian Morgan, the golf photographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played St. Andrews, Pebble Beach, and Wingfoot in the same day. Not in that order. We played St. Andrews for we teed off at St. Andrews at 4:09 in the morning, and I think we have the record for the earliest finish by a four ball. It was yeah. something like 6:25, and we hopped in a, in a cab, went to the Lucas Airport, got a puddle jumper and met the Concord, which was in Birmingham, the Open Championship at Birkdale, having right. completed the night before. Or the, and there they all are on the plane, Palmer, Nicholas, Trevino, Floyd, Tr- uh, Miller, <laughs> waiting for us four clowns to climb. And we climbed on with our golf bags, laid them out in the aisle, and it took off. And two and a half hours later, we landed in JFK, took a helicopter to Wingfoot, played that in two and a half hours, helicoptered back to JFK, and got a, a private plane to, we thought it was going to go to California. It didn't. In fact, I'm sitting on the Concord, and Ray Floyd is across the aisle. She says, how are you getting to California? I said... <laughs> Actually, Palmer said, how are you getting to California? I said, well, we got a Falcon jet. He said, no, you're not. I said, what do you mean? He said, and then he says to Floyd, Ray, tell him about a Falcon jet. And Floyd, with those big eyes, he looks at me, they're fast, but they don't last. (laughs) And sure enough, it it made it to Cheyenne, Wyoming, and we had to stop and refuel. And then we went to Monterey, and we had had plenty of time there. We had like three three hours and 20 minutes to do it in 24 hours, and and we made it. So crazy day. That is amazing. And then so I'm sure that there was a a celebration afterwards, but it didn't last very long, and I'm sure you went straight to sleep. It's (laughs) the funniest thing. We were so pumped up. Yeah. We never slept on any of the plane flights. Right. Uh, Clampett went out and got us shooting baskets. 
For, I don't know. There must have been a basketball hoop near the, the 18th at Pebble for some reason. I remember shooting baskets, but yeah, eventually we got some plenty of sleep. Oh my gosh. Uh, I think that you four hold that distinction of being the only people to do that or will ever do that. We'll ever do that because of the Concord. <laughs> right. and, and I right. did do another one with Ben Crenshaw where we played 18 courses, 18 holes on 18 different courses in the New York metropolitan area in one day. We started at Shinnecock, finished at Baltusrol, and w- went through Long Island, Westchester, Connecticut, and New Jersey in between. So, so the, and you picked kind of the best holes from the best hole at each of eighteen right. m- prominent courses. In so, the so, so which ones? Uh, I mean, the Met area is just so. Well, rich. We started at the fourteenth uh, at Shinnecock, right? And uh, then we played through Maidstone. No, we didn't play Maidstone. We played National uh, Garden City, uh, Wingfoot, Quaker Ridge couple of others up there i think played one at stanwich and then we played half a dozen a bunch of them in new jersey all i can remember is that crenshaw one putted seven greens in a row on seven <laughs> different golf courses in three different states that's amazing <laughs> oh my gosh I shot 76 i think i had 92 but yeah. i was quite pleased with that oh yeah that's <laughs> yeah. incredible oh my gosh that, that's amazing um so Kind of uh, the last little part of your column is is kind of places that you would like to go, um, but have not have not been yet. And you you mentioned that it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun, you know, trying. But you have no ambition to to maybe make all of them, but just will have a good time. Just uh, if you get even a few of them. Um, so what, so which courses were those, and which kind of stick out in your mind? Yeah, as I said, I'm never going to make a thousand, but I'd like to knock a few more off. And uh, I keep a running bucket list of ten internationals and, and ten American courses. The American ones are so, sort of split between uh, courses designed rather recently, and then there are five five of them I just never gotten to. Like right. uh, they're out of, off my beaten path, if not off the beaten path. Like right. Crystal Downs and Camargo in, in the Midwest and. Uh, uh, Deepdale, for some reason, in New York, is just a very exclusive club that I've never been to. Um, Mountain Lake in Florida, Florida, I've lived within an hour and a half there, and <laughs> dozens of people have told me because I love Seth Rayner courses, and it's a Seth Rayner that, that I'd love it, and I'm sure I'll get to it at some point. Right. But in a way, I don't want to uh, go to these uh, courses because it's been so long, and they've been touted by so many people. Uh, I almost feel like the last guy to go to the movie. Uh, you, you're not going to be sucked in. It's a little bit the way you felt, Graylin, with uh, going to Pebble Beach. Yeah. You know, you're determined not to be. But uh, <laughs> I'll get to a bunch of them, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. That's um, and there there are some some great courses on that list. But I, I can I see where you're coming from with the uh, with the whole. They've been trumpeted for for so long, and they you know probably are great courses, but because you've heard about them for years and years and years, yeah, from so many people that they might not you know necessarily live up. Although they might be great courses, but um, but yeah, and the, so what what's the what's the one that if you could choose out of that twenty, you know, it's a strange one. Um, Lofoten Links in Norway. Yeah, it's the northernmost links course in the world. And I have never seen photographs that are more compelling than the ones of this golf course. It looks like it was designed on the moon. And it's been there for a long time, but it's recently uh, had a, a renovation and a, 
uh, rebirth, really. Right. And you can play it in the summer at literally any hour of the day because the yeah. sunlight's there, you know, all all, year, all day long in the, in the summer. And if you catch it at the right time of the year, you can experience the northern lights as well. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. and happily, it's like a... a, a one or two hour plane ride from San Andrews. So I hope at some future visit to, to make a quick trip up there. And no, see absolutely. That. We'll yeah. record a podcast with you. I want to hear all about it. I've seen pictures and I know exactly what you're referring yeah. to, but it's uh, it looks just stunning. Yeah. Absolutely stunning. Um, but yeah, so it's, uh, it's 750 courses and, and uh, 50 favorites. And I think uh, very, very good. Um, so what would be, so we, we talked about your bucket list. Graylin, what would be on yours? Uh, I'll, I'll speak to mine. I have a lot of them. But <laughs> instead of doing 10 international and 10 U.S., I'll do one international and one U.S. Um, I've never played Royal County Down, and that has been on the top of my uh, bucket list, um, including the four years that I was in Scotland and could have easily gotten there, I and it just yeah. never happened. I went over there once, and... Uh, the course was closed for an event, and we, did you we, play Portrush? I did. Yeah, I'll be interesting to see whether you like it better than Portrush. Yeah. The world divides between those. <laughs> <laughs> you can read someone based on what they say. Well, I, I so that would be my international, and then here in the U.S., um, really Chicago Golf Club has always been a, a big one for me, uh, particularly after watching. Was it the U.S. Women's Amateur? Uh, senior uh, or, Open. Sorry, senior Open. U.S. Women's Senior yeah. Open on the course recently. Um, it's just uh, it's an exciting place. And like George, I share a love for Rainer and McDonald courses. And uh, I think it, from what I've read and seen, it would embody a lot of what I like about all of those Rainer and McDonald courses that, that I've played. Absolutely. So, Ian... What about you? Um, well, all right. So I'll do I'll do one or two. Uh, I haven't. Pl- I'll, I'll make the caveat here. I have not played any golf overseas, so I have I have a lot to of exploring to do in Scotland, Ireland, um, over in Europe, and stuff like that. So I, so I'll do two in Scotland that stick out to me. One being the old course, just you know, multiple times because the first time it won't. I'm sure as right. as people say, it won't reveal itself fully to you. Um, the other being North Berwick uh, is my other one that sticks out in Scotland to me. Um, and then here in the U.S., my number one on my bucket list would probably be National Golf Links. Um, Good choice. It's uh, I've read Scotland's Gift a few times now, and um, just the I think the history and uh, the C.B. McDonald uh, course um, and his his uh, uh, place in American golf. I think that's just the birthplace for. For everything that we have, you know, to thank us for, we have to thank for our lives in golf here. Um, so I think that'd be a really cool experience. But and then obviously uh, St Andrews and North Berwick would be would be really really cool. So well, I have a lot of time, uh, hopefully, to to knock those you out and, and quite a few more. But uh, we'll we'll see. <laughs> well, Lee, this has been a blast to speak with you, George. Fittingly, we actually have to wrap this one up because all three of us have a tea time. So <laughs> we, we actually right. need to get out to the golf course. Seven fifty one for me. Number seven fifty one. It actually is. It is the new yeah. course. <laughs> uh, well, perfect. Um, we've enjoyed speaking today, and uh, I hope everyone, if they haven't already read uh, your column in our Fall 2018 issue, run out, grab a copy, um, or check us out on uh, linksmagazine.com. Um, but as always, 
engage with our content wherever we uh, put it up. We have Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram that Ian runs and does a great job. Ask us questions, send us topics you'd like us to discuss on upcoming podcasts, or just reach out and say, hey guys, you know, I'm trying to decide between uh, this course and that course, or this destination or that destination. Port Rusher County down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we, will, uh, we will always uh, speak to you and let you know what we think. Um, subscribe to Lynx Magazine at the top right-hand corner of lynxmagazine.com and subscribe to Lynx Digital. That's for free. You can subscribe in the same place, top right-hand corner of lynxmagazine.com. Um, if you have any questions or want to suggest future topics, you can email us at letters at lynxmagazine.com. Um, but until next time, Ian, thanks. It's been a blast. George, thank you so much again for, for taking the time to speak with us, and uh, it was a blast. So looking forward to playing some golf later on today. Thanks, guys. It was fun.